This is a classic Norwegian fairy tale called The Three Princesses of Whiteland. Now there was once a fisherman, and he lived in a small cottage near to the royal palace, and every day he went fishing, and he fished for the king. All the catch that he caught was taken up to the castle, and it was prepared and set before the king. Now one day he was out fishing, and he wasn't having any luck. He was baiting his hooks and throwing them over the side, but he caught nothing, not so much as a sprat. Well, this carried on all day, and as the day was wearing on, suddenly the surface of the water was broken, and up through it rose a head, a woman's head. And she spoke to him and said, I can give you fish if you give me something in return. What would that be? asked the fisherman. Give me what your wife has underneath her belt, the woman said. Now the man had no idea what she meant by that, but it didn't sound much, so he agreed. And soon he was catching fish after fish after fish. He had a whole boatload, a wonderful, wonderful big catch of fish, which was brought up to the royal palace, and it was all taken out of the kitchen, and the king and everyone was happy. He went home, and he told the strange story of what had happened to him that day to his wife, but she burst into tears. "'What's wrong with you?' he said. "'You don't know,' she said, "'but I didn't tell you until I was sure myself. "'But I'm going to have a baby. "'That is what was underneath my belt.' "'Oh, when the man heard that, he was very upset. "'Now the two of them were so devastated by this news.' the fact that this supernatural creature wanted their child, that word of it got to the king himself, and the king called the fisherman up to see him and said, What's wrong with you? So the fisherman told the king everything, and the king said, Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. When the child is born, bring it up to me, and I will look after it, and bring it up as my own. And that's what they did. As soon as the woman gave birth, and she had a little boy, the boy was taken up to the royal palace, and the king raised the child, him and the queen. They raised it as though they was their own son. Now, time passed, and the boy was now a fully grown man. And he always had a hankering to go fishing. He wanted to join his father. He knew that the king wasn't his father, but he wanted to join his real father and go fishing. Now, the king was not too keen on this idea, and he refused to give his permission, but the young man kept on pleading with him and begging him, and in the end he said, OK, you can go with your father to the fishing. So they went down, and the two of them went out in the boat to the fishing, and they had a fine day fishing away, caught many fish. 
They came back to the shore, they unloaded their catch, and they were just heading away when suddenly the young man remembered he'd left his handkerchief in the boat. So he went back down to the boat, and he stepped in it to get the handkerchief. Well, no sooner had he stepped in that boat than the rope that had secured it to the shore untied itself, and the boat shot across the surface of the water, going at a speed that the man could not understand, and he tried to get the oars in the rollocks and to row against it, but there was no way he could do that. It made no difference whatsoever, and that boat kept on going at a great speed. Now it sailed on for a whole day, and eventually it came to a beautiful sandy beach, all white sand. And the boat pulled up on the shore, and the young man got out onto the sandy beach and walked around trying to figure out where he was. Now he met an old man, and he said to the old man, Tell me, sir, uh, where am I? What, what is the name of this place? Why, this is Whiteland, said the old man. Hmm, why, where have you come from? The young man told him his story. Well, said the old man, a remarkable tale. But this is a remarkable place, too. Now, if you carry on walking down the strand here for a bit further you will come across three princesses, and they are buried up to their necks in the ground, with their heads still above the surface. Now, the first one that you will meet will be the eldest of the three princesses, and she will speak to you, and she will beg for you to help her, but ignore her, pretend that you never seen her or heard her, and walk by. Then you'll come to the second one, the middle princess, and she will also beg you to help, but you must ignore her too, and walk past as though you'd never seen her harder. When you come to the third, that is the youngest princess, and when she asks you to help her, I would, I would advise you to listen to what she says and pay heed to it. So... The young man thanked the old man very much for his advice, and he wandered on, and sure enough, there was a beautiful woman's head sticking out of the earth, buried up to her neck, and she pleaded with him, please help me, please help me and save me, and he paid no attention to her. He just walked by as though he'd never seen her. He came to the second, and she begged him, and again he ignored her, and then he came to the third, and this one said, Oh, please, sir, can you help us? Now, if you can help us to save us, then you can choose which one of us you would like to marry. Well, the young man said, Yes, I'll help you. Well, she said, if you see up there, where the ground rises, there is a lovely castle. That used to be our home. We lived there. But then it was taken by three terrible trolls, 
and they buried us here in the ground up to our necks. Now if you can defeat and kill those trolls, then we will be free, and you may choose which one you want for your bride. Now this is what you have to do. You have to go into the castle, and you will find a small chamber. Go in there and make a bed for yourself, and lie down to sleep. And then a troll will come in, and he will beat you, he will whip you. And if you can endure the pain of the whipping, then when he's finished, Get up, and on the wall you will find a flask, and in the flask there is a magic ointment. Rub that onto your wounds, and they will be healed immediately, and you will feel no pain at all. And then there is a sword hanging on the wall too. Take the sword and slay the troll. Now you must do this for three nights, and then you will free us from the troll. Well, the young man agreed, and he went up to the castle, and he found the chamber, and he lay himself down to sleep. And that night a terrible troll came in. He had three heads, and in his hand he carried three whips. And he whipped, and he whipped the young man. And when he'd stopped, the young man got up, and he rubbed himself with the ointment from the flask, and he was completely restored. Then he took the sword, and he slew the troll. He went down the next day to see the princesses, and they were not buried up to their necks in the earth anymore. They were buried up to their waists. Now, said the youngest, you have to go back again tonight and slay the second troll. So he went back up to the castle, he went into the chamber, he lay down, and in came a terrible troll that had six heads, and he carried six whips in his hand. And he whipped and whipped that poor young man, and it was much, much more terrible than the day before. And the pain was awful, but he endured it, he stood it. And when he had finished whipping, he got up and he rubbed himself with that cream, and he was restored to his full health again, and back to his full strength. He took the sword off the wall, and he killed the second troll. Now the next day he went down to see the princesses, and there they were, buried up to their knees in the earth. And they said, the youngest said, You have done well to go this far. And tonight will be your sorest trial yet, but you must be brave, and you must endure it, and in the morning we will be free. So he went back to the castle, back into the chamber, made himself a little bed, lay down, and then there came in a terrible troll who had nine heads, and he carried nine whips in his hand, and he whipped him long, and he whipped him hard, and it was so painful that the young man passed out with the pain. He fainted, and then the troll picked him up and threw him against the wall, and he landed on the earth with a clatter. But when he had hit that wall, 
he knocked the flask off. The flask fell on him, and the ointment poured over him, and he was restored back to his health and back to strength, and he seized that sword off the wall, and he killed the third troll. Now, when he went the next day and opened the door, there, standing outside, was the three princesses. You have done well, said the youngest princess, and you have acted bravely, and so we keep our bargain. You may marry whichever one of us you wish. I want to marry you, he said to the youngest. Then that will be done, she said, and so the two of them lived very happily together as the king and queen of Whiteland. But after a while, the young man, the king as he now was, started to feel lonely a bit. He started to miss his family, the king and queen in the other country, but also his fisherman father and his mother. He missed them terribly. He wanted to go and visit. So he said to his wife, the queen, the youngest of the princesses, is there any way that I can go and visit my family? I would advise that you don't do that, she said. There is a way, but I would rather that you didn't. Well, I would rather that I did, he said. I want to see them. Very well, she said. And she gave him a ring and slipped it on his finger and said, This is a magic ring. This is a wish ring and it can grant you two wishes, but that's all, just two. And you can wish yourself back home, and then you must save the second wish, and you must wish yourself back here with me. Now, if you would listen to my advice, if you would take heed of my warnings, and mind what I said, I would advise you to... Always follow the pleas of your father and ignore the wishes of your mother. So he said that he would go back, visit them, and he would come back to her again. Now remember what I said, she said. Ignore the wishes of your mother and always pay heed to the pleas of your father. And with that, he wished he was back home. And the next thing he knew, there he was, back in the little cottage with the fisherman and his mother, his mother and father. Well, they were delighted to see him, and his mother was so proud of him, because there he was, wearing the most magnificent clothes. He was the king of Whiteland, and he was very, very rich. He wore the most beautiful and expensive clothes, and he was covered with the most lovely and expensive jewellery. Oh, she says, you must go up to the palace and see the king. Oh, you just have to go and see the king and show him what a fine man you've turned out to be. No, no, don't do that, said his father. If he does that, then we'll have less time to spend with him. Stay here with us, son, please. 
No, said his mother, you must go and see the king. I really wish that you would, because, oh, he would be just so amazed to see you. Well, she kept on and on like this until eventually he gave in, and he forgot his wife's advice, and he went up to the castle. And the king was pleased to see him, but at the same time the king wasn't pleased to see him, because when he heard that he was now king in another land, and also when he saw the beautiful clothes that he was wearing, the expensive clothes, and all the expensive jewellery that he was wearing, he started to become envious of him. He was jealous that he had now, he was more royal, more regal, and better dressed than he, the king of that kingdom, was. And as the young man was telling him all about his wife and how beautiful she was, oh, the beauty of her, she was something to behold. He had never seen beauty like hers before, and the king was getting annoyed. And he said to him, Well, it's all very fine, this talk about your wife, this talk about this queen, but I've never seen her, and I don't think she'd be any prettier than my queen here. Oh, I wish that she was here, said the young king. Oh, I wish she was here so that you could see her. And no sooner were those words out of his mouth than the wish ring made his wish come true. And there stood his queen before them, stunningly beautiful. And she looked at him with sadness. A tear rolled down her cheek, and she said, Why, oh, why did you pay no heed to my warnings? Why did you go against my wishes? See what has become of it. You have used your two wishes, and you cannot return to me now. And she reached forward, and she ran her fingers through his hair, and she took a ring that had her name engraved on it, and she wove it into her husband's hair, and then she said, Goodbye, we will not meet again, and she disappeared. She still had a wish, he didn't, and he couldn't go back. Well, he was broken-hearted, devastated. He wished that he had been wise enough to listen to her. But now it was too late. So he set off. He set off in search of Whiteland, and he walked and he walked and he walked, and he asked everyone that he met if they knew the way to Whiteland. Nobody did. Eventually he came to a hill, and on the hill there was a man, and this man was the master of all the beasts in the world. And the young king said to him, Do you know the way to Whiteland? No, he said, I do not. But I can ask all my beasts. They come to me when I blow this horn, and you can ask them. And he blew his horn, and every animal in the world came to him. And he asked them all if they knew where Whiteland was, but none of them did. I'm sorry, he says, I can't help you. But maybe my brother would know. He is the master of all the birds in the air. Now he lives a long way away, 
a thousand miles away. But I'll give you my skis here. And if you go on these skis, they will take you to his house. And they will go at a tremendous speed. You'll be there in no time. All I ask is when you reach my brother's house, you take the skis off, you turn them around so that they are pointed back towards my home, and they will come back by themselves. So the king thanked the master of all the beasts, and he took the skis and he set off, shot across the surface on the snow, until he came to the house of the master of all the birds in the air. And then he said to this man, do you know the way to Whiteland? No, I do not, he said. But I will summon all the birds of the air and see if any of them knows the way. So he blew his horn, and there was a great whirring and whizzing of wings. And all the birds of the air came to him, and he asked them all if they knew the way to Whiteland, and not one of them did. Last to come of all was an old, old eagle, who had been away for ten years, but he didn't know the way to Whiteland either. You should try asking my brother, he said. He is the master of all the fish in the sea and in the lakes and the rivers. Here, I will lend you my skis because he lives a thousand miles away. But these skis will take you across the snow to him. And all I ask is that when you reach his house, you take the skis off turn them around so that they are pointed back towards me, and they will come home by themselves. The king thanked him, and he put on the skis, and he shot across the surface of the snow, and in no time he was at the house of the master of all the fish in the sea. And he took his, the skis off, and he turned them around to face back towards the master of all the birds in the air, and the skis whisked off by themselves. Now he asked the master of all the fish in all the waters of the world if he knew the way to Whiteland, but he did not. But he blew his trumpet and he called all the fish towards him, all the fish in the sea, all the fish in the lakes and the rivers, the streams, everyone came to him, and he asked them if they knew where Whiteland was, but none of them did. Now after a while, a very large old pike came swimming up towards them. It had been away for a long time. And he said, Do you know the way to Whiteland? Well, I should think I do, said the pike. I'm the cook there. And, in fact, I'm going back there tomorrow, because the queen who lives in that land, whose husband the king disappeared some time ago, she is marrying again tomorrow and I shall cook the feast. Well, when the man heard that, he was broken-hearted. He couldn't bear to lose his queen. And how can I get there, he said. Well, the master of all the fish said, If you want a piece of advice, I will give it to you. Nearby here, there is a moor. And on the moor you'll find three brothers, and they have been arguing for a hundred years and a day about a hat, a cloak, and a pair of boots. Now these three things, when worn together, are magical. They will make you invisible, and if you wish to be somewhere, you will be there in a twinkle.'
Now go there and tell them that you will judge between them which one of them should get these articles, because that's why they're arguing. And then take them and wish yourself off to white land. So he did as he was told. He went off, and sure enough, there he saw the three brothers arguing away. Hey, hey, my good fellows, he said. Why the arguments? Why the harsh words? Well, they said, we have a hat, a cloak, and a pair of boots here, which has great properties, but we don't know which one of us should have them. Then I shall be your judge, he said, and I will tell you which one you should ha who should have them. Well, we would appreciate that very much, they said. Now, just give them to me, and I will let you know. And so he took them, and he said, If we should see each other again, then I will tell you which one should have them. And he put on the hat, the cloak, and the boots, and he wished himself off to Whiteland, and he found himself flying through the air at huge speed. Now he met up with the north wind as he was flying away, and the north wind said to him, My, what a speed! Where are you going to? I'm going to Whiteland, he said, and he told him the whole story. Well, I'll tell you what, said the north wind. You know, I can't get there as fast as you, because I've got to blow everywhere, this way and that way, and around that corner, and over that hill, and under that door. So I'll tell you what I'll do, though. When you get to Whiteland, and get to the palace, then I will come and I will blow the walls so hard that they will think that the whole palace is going to fall down, and when the prince runs out to see what the matter is, you grab him by the scruff of the neck, and you throw him outside, and I'll pick him up, and I'll deal with him, I'll carry him away, I'll whisk him away somewhere. Thank you, the king said to the north wind, and on he flew until he arrived at the palace, where his queen was to be wed. Now he stood outside on the steps, and the north wind arrived, and it blew the palace so hard that the walls shook, and everyone was afraid. And the prince came running out to see what was going on, and as he came out the door, the king grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, and he threw him outside, and the north wind caught him and picked him up into the air and blew him away. Now the king went into the castle, and there he saw his wife, the queen. And he went over to her, and he said, I have searched so long to find you. And he had become so thin and pale from all the traveling, and also from his grief, that she didn't recognize him to start with. "'Who are you, stranger?' she said, "'although you are strangely familiar.' "'Don't you recognize me?' he said. "'Don't you recognize your true husband?' "'And she looked into his eyes, and yes, "'there was something about him that she recognized. "'And then she stretched out her beautiful long white hand, and she stroked his hair, 
and she stroked it until she found in it the ring that she had woven there. And she undid the hair, and she took the ring off, and she looked at it, and there was her name inside it. There was no mistaking that this was her husband. And then she truly recognized him, and she embraced him, and they kissed, and they said that they loved each other till the end of time. So, instead of her marrying this prince, she married the king, her husband, again. And they married properly, and they married for good. <laughs>